0: Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you
1: should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked. It comes with shade that's key it comes with chair backs
0: it comes with all the food you can eat which keith and i don't need but that is one of the perks of it but it's a really good experience and many of you have been in there socially maybe outside of a game so you've seen the space
1: some of you still haven't been in the space you need to call and take a tour the ability to watch the game from your chair to go inside where it's cool to get food to get drink to see people and 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 socialize to whatever degree that's (laughs) important to you dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall you won't miss anything plus you can look out the glass and see from from uh, the fourth floor again it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance
0: for your tickets for a tour for more information 644-1830 and now without further ado front row Good day, everybody, and a happy Wednesday. Happy
1: Clemson-Florida State week. KJ, good to see you. Happy we won a ball game and played 60 minutes of football to you. How long did that last? Like, <laughs> t- till you
0: looked at the Clemson box score on Sunday and saw what they did to NC State? Or Well, I, I was probably looking cross-eyed at both of them at the same time almost, yeah. It was a good win for Florida State. I know it was Wake Forest. We talked about this in our Sunday show. Uh, in our first look edition, but it was it was a complete football game for Florida State after they stopped substituting in the first first half
1: and just played their base defense against Wake. Wake, Wake will bring that out. You we we talked about it. Forty one plays in the first quarter. I've never seen that in my lifetime. Uh, one hundred and four plays total, uh, which is the most I think I've ever seen. Uh, and and regardless of the talent level, regardless of the scheme, when they're going that fast. It's making you think and making you move, and, and Florida State, as you mentioned, got caught short in those first couple of three series, and finally Coach Barnett said, the heck with this. We'll just leave whoever's out there, call whatever we can call with them out there, and we'll play ball, and they went, what, nine consecutive possessions with seven, six three and outs, two punts, and one turnover, I believe it was and a remarkable performance from defense and whether you think it
0: was just that wake forest is terrible or florida state got better or somewhere in between we don't really need to debate that at this point because clemson's next on the schedule and there is no debate about where clemson sits right now in terms of how good they
1: are there is no question and and one of the things and, and you and i've talked about this privately that that maybe it you just share a lot of me.
0: our you share a lot of our private conversations in this forum just but
1: not so. all the topics that's that is true, and I am appreciative of that. There you go. <laughs> but one of the things that has dawned on me, and maybe it's dawned on others, but but this is now a rivalry game, a true rivalry game. And you know, there were times when Florida State would whip Clemson by fifty points or, or win X number in, in a row and, and had their way with them. But but this game now takes on many of the same characteristics of a Miami or a Florida game, and what that means where Florida State sits today is you. Theoretically and hopefully you can throw out the schedules, you can throw out the records, you can throw out the statistics, and you never know what's going to happen in a game like this because it's a rivalry game. What hasn't happened to make it like FSU
0: Miami in the 90s is that Florida State was up and just as Clemson came up, there was a couple year overlap and then Florida State went down and Clemson's been up. So you haven't had top five showdowns, top 10 showdowns every year. That is and there's not as There's plenty at stake for Clemson this week. Not nearly as much for Florida State. Yes, we want to see them play well. It'd be great if they won. But at the end of the day, you still have three losses on the other side of the ledger. That, that sort of thing. I do think there's there's some similarities to watching the programs get built. And if you look at Clemson, they've broken through. They've gotten a national title. But they haven't gotten the second one yet. in this. I know they had one in 81. I'm talking about uh, in this era right now. Even though they've been so close, which is a lot like Florida State. And Florida State dealt with Miami. And Clemson's having to deal with Alabama in the same window you know They're, so those are those are the those are the two teams right now uh and I do wonder you know Clemson it took a transformative quarterback into Sean Watson to get them to a title now maybe the guy they have now is that next guy if not as a freshman but sometime in his tenure but uh it's hard to win titles unless you're you're in Tuscaloosa
1: well it, well that too but it's back to your earlier point it's hard to win titles without a dynamic quarterback we saw it happen with Florida State with Charlie and then we saw it happen with Chris and then we saw it happen with Jameis and for Dabo Sweeney and his staff to make the move from Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence when Bryant was what? We talked about uh, Jalen at Alabama, and he was 26 and 2 or whatever he was. Well, well, Kelly was 16 and 2, I think, as a starter. And for them to make the change going from, uh, I believe he's a redshirt junior, to a freshman, one of two things. Number one, they're crazy, and that ain't likely. Or number two, Lawrence is all of that. And, again, it goes back to comments we've made. We don't, we're don't we not there at practice. We don't see all the things he does. Gets in the game, maybe makes a mistake or two, and everybody wonders what. But there was a reason why they made the change. I still don't like Brian's decision, by the way. I know that ship has sailed. But I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I can, I, I, I'd be a good attorney. I could depend on what side of I the get table it. I'm on. Huh? I, I can
0: argue it. both sides. He's not going to be a better NFL prospect after wherever he plays next year, but he will get a chance to play. So if you just want to play, that does give him that chance. I don't like to quit in the middle of the season. It doesn't bother me if you do it beforehand or at another point, ride it out kind of thing. But I don't know the kid. What about if you
1: quit at the end of fall practice, uh, fall camp?
0: That one didn't bother me as much either. That's also a different scenario because that wasn't the starting quarterback
1: per se. It was the third string guy just asking. No that but even that one doesn't bother me as much. Cuz when you move into your coaching career, I want to be able to tell people what your moves are going to be.
0: There's not a time in my life that I ever wanted to be a coach. I know they get paid a ton. But the hours that they put in along the way to get to the point to be one of the guys that gets paid a ton
1: that's the absolute reason why it was never a consideration on my point and by no means am i suggesting i would have even been good at it but i saw what what the 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 man that brought me to tallahassee jim gladden i saw the hours he put in and and all that patty had to do with the kids at home when jim wasn't home and blah 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 and that i never wanted to go into coaching either we got that in common let's talk about the game so how does florida state win well, I think Florida State wins this game under the same formula that I told you it was going to take for them to win at Miami. Number one, they've got to score first and get the Dope Campbell crowd w- well into the game. Number two, they've got to win the special teams and, and make a big play. We had a punt return against Miami. And number three, what they couldn't do, you can't turn the ball over. You cannot give Clemson a short field. You've got to make sure they drive at 70 or 80 yards, and then you just hang around you got to play your tails off, hope some good things happen, and that's how you win it. If those things don't happen, Florida State loses this game by three touchdowns. Clemson's that good. Maybe make it a hockey game and only play three periods. Maybe once we get to halftime, if Florida State's ahead, we go on a rolling clock like you do in the spring game. <laughs> I
0: don't think that we'll go for that. No, I think that is the scenario. The crowd will be into it. Now, a noon game doesn't help that. And Coach Taggart put out a plea to get people there early, get them in the stadium uh, on time. But I do think you're right about that.
1: And by the way, there's a new paradigm about that noon kickoff. You know, up until the last couple of years, everybody was dreading the noon kickoff because that meant you were you were not being picked. But the networks have figured out. People will watch the game they, they, whenever it's on. That's well, what no, they figured. No, no, no. It's even more than that. What they figured out is that people, once they start watching the games, they don't turn them. They off. don't turn them off. So if they can get them start watching at noon, they'll watch all the way through and not wait till three thirty to start. And that's why you're starting to see some 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 better matchups at noon, where two or three years ago you wouldn't. Well, back in the day, and we already referenced. <laughs> Florida State in the dynasty
0: years and all that, all these games were at 12 noon. And Saturday night primetime was taboo. They wouldn't put college football there because they didn't want to preempt t or whatever was on Saturday night. You know, back in the day, was, you getting personal? it was what, Fantasy Island, Love Boat, all the, we're showing age is what we're doing. And that was actually past your prime. What was on in your you prime? You never watched Fantasy Island or Love Boat live. That's probably true point is they the network folks were afraid to bra- break up whatever was saturday night primetime then they finally did it and they said oh we're doing big numbers with this so they started moving all the games tonight now they've come back like you're saying i mean if you just
1: started them at 9 a.m we'd never get any chores done on that's another thing nobody wants to talk about and, and, and i don't know about the kids today i won't but as a player i love the noon games i love the noon games there's nothing worse than getting up on Saturday morning and waiting in a hotel room and going through meetings and waiting until a 7 o'clock kickoff. It is boring as crap. Get me up at 8 o'clock, 7.30. Give me my meal at 8 o'clock. Let me ride that bus from Thomasville. Kick off at noon. And I get to go out Saturday night, you know, because I was such a big party guy I'm sure. when I was in college. I'm sure. Well, air supply did come through town a time
0: or two during your day, right? Little River Band. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, you know who else is ready to go at seven thirty, eight in the
1: morning, every Saturday? Uh, they're probably ready at all yeah, times, Madison, 24-7. Yeah, Madison
0: Township, Centrale, you know the whole drill. This week, Township, uh, it starts for 8 o'clock, Dollar beer, $2 mimosa so if you really want to capitalize you get there first thing then uh, the price goes up by a buck at nine two dollar beer three dollar mimosa if you want to sleep in you're only paying three bucks for a beer and four dollars for a mimosa starting uh you know at 10 it's a good deal that's uh, this week and we appreciate that they uh, support this program we've got an interesting guest coming up in the next segment and uh, we probably should should set this up a little bit but uh, brad scott was the offensive coordinator for florida state on the 93 national championship team Longtime fsu fans remember brad well uh, has been highly successful after that maybe didn't make it as a head coach for that long of a, a tenure was at south carolina for a few years did bring them back to some prominence and got them to a bowl game which they hadn't gone to in years but has been at clemson since tommy bowden hired him in in uh I want to 99 or 99, something like that anyway he's still at clemson and uh, he's going to join us next segment because he's had the opportunity to spend a decade plus of his career working for coach bowden and now uh, you know at least a decade working with or for
1: Dabo Swinney to talk a little bit about those comparisons. But what do you remember about
0: uh, Brad Scott back in the day?
1: What I remember about Brad is, is, number one, Coach Bowden immediately made him his recruiting coordinator. Brad is very organized, very articulate, very much a professional, uh, just a great guy. Number two, a great character guy. And the other thing, and I hopefully uh, we'll bring it up with him, I, I remember we, we there were occasions when I would be there during the Wednesday night meal, which Bowden made the family meal, and, 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 and Brad and Daryl would be there trying to eat their dinner, husband and wife. And Jeff, who was then two, three, four years old, whatever he was, would be grabbing on his daddy's arm, come outside, come outside, come outside. And they would literally, along with Mark, Rick, and his son, they'd go out in the parking lot outside the old Moore Center and throw a football back and forth to their young boys. I remember that distinctly. And now Jeff, Brad's son, is co offensive coordinator for Clemson. That's worked out pretty well, the the juggernaut that Clemson has become.
0: Okay, he'll join us next. Uh, We are just getting cranked up here. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linefeld, is in the queue as well. So stay with us here on Front Row Knowles.
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, it is Clemson, Florida State Week, and we've got uh, an intriguing Guest joining us on the Earl Bacon Agency Hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. A lot of Florida State folks obviously will remember this gentleman who was FSU's offensive coordinator as Florida State was building its dynasty, went on to become head football coach at South Carolina, has been at Clemson for a number of years. Brad Scott, coach, how are you, sir?
3: Doing great and uh, certainly good to be uh, with you guys. Big game always is, you know, Clemson, Florida State. So been on both sides of it. So it's kind of fun for me.
0: Well, you also were a gamecock for a little while, so you've been all over the place related to Clemson. But uh, it occurs to me that, you know, you were here in Tallahassee when FSU was building the dynasty, and now you're in Clemson. So all these years we've been trying to find what the secret was in the recipe, and apparently it's you. <laughs>
3: Well, I'd like to think so, but I'm not sure I can take any credit for that. I do have a son coaching here, so maybe I'm making a little contribution along the way.
1: Well, and that that's also the amazing thing to me, because I remember Wednesday night dinners in Tallahassee when Jeff would uh, drag you outside just to throw the ball back and forth. I think he was just out of diapers. And now he's the uh, co-offensive uh, coordinator of a national championship team and a number two ranked team in the country. That, that's quite a, a stretch over the last uh, 20, 25 years.
3: You know, it, it, it really is. And what a what a blessing to, you know, to be able to raise a family in the college coaching profession, especially to be around a guy like uh, Coach Bowden through those formative years, not just in my career, but also in my family's. And then for Jeff to have the opportunity to, to coach here on the staff with Davo Sweeney, you know, just two quality, quality men that are tremendous coaches. And, uh, and Jeff always knew he wanted to be a coach. He kind of Picked that up during his years there at Florida state. He's been reminiscing this year with media and all about those formative years and the early and the Wednesday night, just as you mentioned, Keith and just watching coach Bowden, how he handled kids and the passion for the game and all. So here he is, uh, you know, just a few years later and, and, uh, doing, doing quite well. And, um, very proud of him,
1: Brad. That begs the question: What what are the similarities, uh, other than a generation or two generations removed? But what are the similarities between one Bobby Bowden and one Dabo Sweeney?
3: Well, you know, I, I think there's a formula out there for successful coaches, and uh, to to a great degree. But these these two men, um, you know, they're they're very similar. I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, I, when I, I begin to think about them both, probably. What would be the top priority, or what I think both of them would would expect me to say? And having spent years with you know with them both, they were—I'd say—first of all, strong men of faith. You know, these are guys that um, you know they got their priorities in order. They're not ashamed to share that. About any Sunday, you can find you know Coach Swinney in a church, and uh, I remember the very same from Coach Bowden, and uh, so that was a great thing. But they also tremendous motivators. You know, you played for Coach and. You know, he had that ability, that unique ability to get players to play at a high level and very consistently do that week in and week out. Never easy to do. Uh, Dabo's a tremendous motivator. And uh, our, our kids love uh, love playing for him, just as the players loved playing with uh, Coach Bowden. I think he, he made it fun with his barnyard plays. And, of course, Clemson never forget the punt rooski up here and just the added parts of the of the uh, of the game plan that uh, that kind of made that fun, Coach is very very similar, you know, and uh, he's always uh, got a little something special for the the guys during the week to keep them loose, and the way he handles the team meetings and so forth is is pretty impressive. And maybe the last thing I'd say too, just very family oriented guys, you know, uh, one of some of things Jeff was talking about to the media here, just about how he remembered how inclusive Coach Bowden was at a time when families really weren't expected or allowed to be around the coaches' offices. or kids at practice and the family Wednesday night. And, gosh, you know, our program's exactly the same. Uh, we have a young staff and lots and lots of kids that are always hanging around our program. It's important, Coach Sweeney, that our players see uh, our coaches is not just You know, coaches on the field, but the kind of husbands that they are, the kind of fathers they are with their children, and so those those are some of the many things that uh, that I see similar. And uh, I I probably ought to say, recruiting. Coach Bowden was a masterful recruiter. I always felt like, and uh, you know, I was his recruiting coordinator there in my early part of my years there, and I always felt like we didn't screw it up before we got him in the house. We always had a good chance, and uh, and Dabo's tremendous uh, with the families, tremendous recruiter. I think another key element here, don't mean to be so long, but both of them, you know, seem to always want to recruit kids of character. You know, Coach Bowden used to always say, hey, it's hard enough to keep the good boys good. You probably heard him say that a few times. Oh, yeah. And, and, hey, let's recruit character, not characters. And, uh, And Dabo's all about the culture that has been built here at Clemson. He's all about... That hey, not every kid's a fit for our program. Uh, I've seen him walk away many times from some, you know, highly recruited kids, maybe even some four and five star players that just weren't going to fit in the system the way that that he believes that a program should be run. And so he set a pretty high standard, and uh, and Coach Bowden did the same thing. So, uh, hey, very very similar. It's fun for me to have grown up in with it with coach bowden and now to see it in kind of in dabo and i'm sure most of the successful coaches have these same ingredients but these two guys are very very similar and it's 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 really been fun
0: we're talking with former fsu offensive coordinator brad scott who's an assistant athletic director at clemson now uh, in charge of player development is that your role there
3: brad yeah you know i wear a couple hats but uh i'd say i'd say one of the biggest things i do and again coach swinney thinking outside the box wanted to create a position for someone to kind of look after our freshmen. You know, the uh, this day and age, kids are recruited a little, uh, you know, lower, I guess all the social media and all the hype about kids and how they're going to come in their first year and save your program and all. And we all know that that's very difficult for a freshman to play even, and uh, much less the adjustment from high school to college and that transition period. So along with other administrative responsibilities I have, i i enjoy one of my biggest roles is mentoring and just looking after our freshmen and as i tell the parents when they report hardest thing about being a freshman is becoming a sophomore and so so i really spend a lot of time with our with our young players and uh yeah have enjoyed that role and hopefully impacted them and making that first year transition a little bit smoother for them and um uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, it's been been a lot of fun.
1: Brad, there was a time when the FSU-Clemson game didn't have the same um, luster. There, I mean, there were 50-point margins of victory and and times when Florida State won six or seven in a row. But this yeah. is now a true, from our perspective, this is now a true rivalry game, not just in the ACC but for the national mm-hmm. Uh, prominence and I mean, you rank Clemson right up there with Florida and Miami in terms of teams that Florida State's got to get past and, and that's made this game uh, a very high profile contest not not just the Bowden versus Bowden as it started, but where it sits now as it relates to the playoffs.
3: Uh, there's no doubt and uh, you look at the, since the college football playoffs began, the winner of the of the Clemson FSU game has gone on to win the ACC and had a bill, had the opportunity to be in the final four and have won two national championships combined. So it has strong implications. And since we're both in the Atlantic division of the conference, you know the game always uh, was going to decide who was hopefully going to, you know the winner of that game was going to play for the for the championship. So when you look at your schedule every year when they're released, you're always kind of looking to see where that Florida State game is. And and uh, it, it it certainly carries that. Uh, much importance and outside of your in-state rivals you know there's not a bigger game on our schedules with and not a game probably that has as much national implication as the uh, Clemson FSU game does.
0: Brad I know coaches don't look in the rearview mirror you're always pressing forward but what if the playoff had existed in 87, 88,
3: 89, 90, 91, 92? Do you ever
0: think about that at all?
3: Oh, yeah. You know, how many times did we finish the year so strong and with so much momentum? And uh, you heard it said several times along the way, hey, Florida State might be the best program in the country. They might be the hottest program in the country right now. And yet you didn't have the playoffs. You had the bowls. But somewhere along the line, you know, and as we all know, it kind of came down to the Miami FSU game most of the time. And, uh, but, but the way that the season finished, we always felt like that we were, you know, maybe the best team. And if you'd have had those playoffs, I think there'd be probably a couple more national championship trophies there, uh, at Florida State, which has certainly got to, you know, got a couple of them now. And, and on the way, I'm sure under Coach Tiger to be competitive again in that same conversation. But, uh, yeah before the playoff those days it was handled a little differently and but very proud of uh you know that opportunity that i had to be a part of that and some of the greatest uh teams you know in, in college football
0: we appreciate you joining us i know you've got a staff meeting and we don't want to get you on the wrong side of Dabo here but here's here's the question the last question as we let you go do you have to take the slide to get from your office to wherever that staff meeting is in the football facility
3: well, I've taken a slide that one time, and uh, just so I could check it off my list, I, I, I'm a stairs guy. I use the <laughs> stairs, but you know, believe it or not, the player lo- they love the slide, and it it separates our second floor, which is our meeting rooms and segment rooms and our team meeting room, and that slide shoot, it shoots them right down to the right beside the locker room. They grab their helmet and their shoulder pads, walk out right out the double doors, and they're on the practice field. So, it's uh it's. They love it. None of them take the stairs. Well, Brad,
1: Brad, because Florida State cannot mimic Clemson, we're going to go with a fireman's pole when we build our new facility.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, you be careful on that thing, okay? But, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, that's Coach again thinking outside the box. And, uh, hey, I do have to say one difference between the two was that uh, Coach Coach Sweeney, he loves to dance, and I don't think I ever remember Coach uh, Bowden dancing with the boys or in fact, I don't even remember him dancing at the balls, Keith. You remember all those national uh, New Year's Day games? Oh, yeah. You just always oh, yeah. have the balls, and I'm not sure I ever saw him he and Miss Ann out there dancing. But uh, and the last thing, and only you will know this and remember, Coach could draw the best stick men examples when he had do an illustration on the board for the coaches and oh, yeah. he drew those stick men he was way receivers. he was way
1: beyond the squares and the circles
3: oh yeah boy he could draw those receivers and their arms stretch and their backs bow and that quarterback throwing and i used to sit there in amazement and say he 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 could definitely be a could draw cartoons for sure but uh, <laughs> oh my goodness so many great memories there and uh great talking to you guys and um, i'm sure it's going to be a tremendous game Saturday It always is, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to being down there and being part of it.
1: Well, Brad, thank you for, for what you meant to Florida State and now what you mean to Clemson and the ambassador you are for college football. You're a great guy. Make sure you tell Darrell hello for us.
3: We'll do it. We'll do it, and thank you, man. God bless you.
1: All right, Brad Scott from Clemson, former South Carolina
0: head coach and in these parts, we know him as the offensive coordinator on a national championship team. Had a guy by the name of Charlie Ward at quarterback.
1: You know, didn't get didn't have time to get into that. Brad was the first guy that that coach really turned over some play calling dues to, you know, like money coaches back then and and some now. He would call the plays and we didn't have time to get into it and I don't have time to tell the full story, but the greatest story that Brad tells is, is when he's calling plays in a particular game and Coach Bowden kept going, now look for a tight end, look for a tight end. And Brad kept going, no, Coach, the linebacker's on him, linebacker's on him. And about five or six times during different praises. And finally, Brad just gave up. You know, Coach wants me to throw the tight end. He called a pass to the tight end. The linebacker intercepted and returned it back for a touchdown. <laughs> There's silence on the headphones. And all of a sudden, Coach Bowden goes, hey, Brad. you Yeah, Coach. I see what you mean.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, th-
0: this doesn't happen. But imagine if you could listen in—oh, like you can in NASCAR—to the headsets, or even if not live, if you could, you, there could be a, a waiting period. For you, you could wait till the coaches retire, and then you could just go purchase the the coaches' conversations from say the wide right game in 91 or the Michigan game whatever pick a pick a game that would be some great Wouldn't great yeah that'll be entertaining by the way you want the fireman's pole whether it's a slide fireman's pole whatever the only chance you and I are using it is if it goes from point a and point B is the mess hall then we will participate understood <laughs> come back with more in front Row Knowles after this
2: to you. it's late September and
0: Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, is on the line, the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tim, don't stop believing. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Good. I mean, that's two weeks in a row, and, and last week you guaranteed we were going to hear that every Wednesday the rest of the year, So, which is quite I'm a prediction given the way the schedule shapes up for FSU. But I'm one for one, buddy. Yeah, nine you... and
1: three, final, final uh, record. I, I was impressed. You went out <laughs> on a limb with that one.
0: I'll he, see you at the Orange Bowl. He is our Seminoles at the Orange Bowl. <laughs> so not only are we going to win out, but Clemson's going to lose uh, to somebody else. I mean, we're just going to sneak into Charlotte. Let's make oh, it happen. Can... Our Seminoles.com insider uh, is Tim Linnefeld, as you know. Tim, uh, we don't need to talk long about Wake Forest, but uh, I'll let you weigh in. Uh, your general thoughts on uh, what was a pretty good effort from Florida State.
4: Uh, you know, I thought it was good to see them respond the way that they did. I mean, you know, we all know that, that first quarter – uh, you know, it's a, it would be charitable to say that you were a little nervous uh, watching, one, the way Wake Forest was moving up and down the field and then also the way that, Forest course, offense was not moving the ball up and down the field, but to, to see the switch they flipped uh, after Brian Burns changed the momentum uh, on that sack. And, and you know, I kind of wonder, I go back and forth, like I think that it probably would have happened anyway, uh, but also I don't, I don't think it's just a, a coincidence that, that Brian makes that play and all of a sudden the, uh, the, just the, the complete tone and complexion of that game uh, changes uh, in a huge way. So, uh, you know, good job by them to, to kind of absorb an early punch and then come back and really have uh, you know one of the more dominant efforts of the season. I thought.
1: All right, forget about that. Now, moving forward, whatever happened to the Clemson club we used to beat so routinely?
4: In terms of, well, they got good. <laughs> <I guess.
1: laughs> Where are those days?
4: You know what's interesting about that, and I was I was kind of thinking about this um, yesterday, is that. You know, so they're they're celebrating. I guess they're celebrating as the word uh, ten years of, of Dabo Sweeney. He's been there ten years now, which is hard to believe. Um, but uh, it wasn't until three or four years ago that people like were happy with him, and, and he was sort of you know recognized and lauded as this you know college football savant who you know is a great recruiter and you know the dancing videos and all that stuff. Like it wasn't all that long ago that they were uh, they're getting beat, beat pretty soundly by West Virginia in the bowl game, and everybody was. You know, wondering how long he was going to be there, and and the point uh, of all this is like it took them a little while to build that thing. I mean, you know, several there, there were signs of it, obviously, but it took several years uh, for them to get to this point. And and I do think it probably speaks, uh, you know, to some degree of you know being patient and and letting letting the guy you know get things rolling. Um, and so I, and I and I guess the point I guess that I'm trying to make with that is that you know it's good to keep that in mind as as you know we're in year one. Uh, of a new system is that it, it takes time. And uh, granted you want to see signs and, and mile markers along the way, but uh you know, it it took, you know, the the better part of his tenure here to, to build it to what it is now.
0: Well, and if you want, if you want to add to that, I mean, to get the offense going, he went and hired a high school coach that had no college experience and brought in the offense. For those that question whether Coach Taggart's system works, or I mean, he, he's he's at least been a head coach for a decade at, at the Division One level. So uh, there's different ways to get there. I do think, and Tim, you you didn't get a chance to hear this, but we had Brad Scott on uh, last segment, former FSU offensive coordinator, and uh, you talk about uh, you know being pretty privileged he worked for Bowden he's worked for Dabo but there are definitely there are definite similarities I mean if to to your point if you look at Clemson before they got good the term Clemsoning was out there which basically was saying you couldn't win the big game and Bobby had that label for a while with the wide rights and all that until they finally broke through and once you broke through you saw Florida State you know at they got another one and obviously we've gotten another one since then so I do think there's a lot of parallels as much as we as FSU folks don't want to admit that Clemson might be in the middle of their dynasty.
4: No, I agree. I, mean, I think at worst, the second best program in college football, and if it's not them, uh, who is? I mean, they've been really good. I mean, Willie Taggart said it. You know, I, they've they've been kind of been one of the standard bearers. And uh, you know, he he, I, I thought it was really interesting about talking about his visit to uh, to Clemson. You know, he he made as a staff uh, took a visit up there and kind of just learned from those guys and looked at their culture and looked at their their infrastructure. And this, of course, was before. He became the uh, head coach at Florida State, and I guess you know Dabo might want to do-over on that. But hey, it's just you know, it's a funny coincidence. Uh, but you know, he speaks awfully highly uh, of that program and that culture. And you know, like it, it is what it is. It's you know, it, it's a cycle. You know, for a while there, it was Florida State, and in uh, Clemson couldn't get over the hump. I mean, you remember that you know, 2014 game with with Jameis suspended and Sean McGuire leading leading them to an overtime win. And at that point, I remember walking out of the stadium after that game and thinking, man, if Clemson's not going to win this one, I don't know that they ever will. Uh, and then, of course, they haven't lost the Florida State since. So, uh, you know, it comes and goes in ways. And right now Clemson's at the, at the height of theirs. And, and you know, Saturday is an opportunity for, for Florida State to kind of start to swing it back the
1: other way. But my dear Tim. Yes, sir. In last, each of the last two years, Clemson has dropped a game against an unranked opponent that they were supposed to win. Might that happen, might that happen Saturday?
4: I like the way you're thinking, buddy. I like the way you're
0: thinking. Hey, they're due, right? They haven't done it yet. Well, let and let's let's add to it. So two weeks ago on the bye week, I watched LSU throttle number two Georgia, and then last week, I think I was getting ready to settle in and watch the Washington State game, and I looked at Twitter, and apparently Ohio State was getting thumped by Purdue. So I quickly switched over and enjoyed that. And Ohio State was the number two team in the country, and lo and behold, Tim, guess who's number two this week coming into Tallahassee? So te- it Clemson. It is Clemson. So tell us how it's going to happen.
4: <laughs> uh, well, if it's going to happen, uh, I think that Florida State's defense is going to have to play really well. Uh, I think you're going to need to see a big game from the defensive line, particularly Brian Burns, uh, but but really all those guys—Marvin Wilson, uh, Demarcus Christmas, Wally Ami. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, I think the defensive front needs to play well. I think the the, the key for Florida State to have success against Florida uh, Clemson's defense, or excuse me, Clemson's offense, is, is for those guys up front to play well and, and free the, the linebackers and DBs to you know, kind of stay back and and, and keep things in front of them. Uh, If you can get pressure with four, if you can stop the run with four, uh, then it frees up so much. Now, granted, this is pretty basic defensive coordinator type stuff, uh, but at the same time, I think you saw in that NC State game that, you know, NC State was like, well, we're going to commit to stopping the run and make the the true freshman quarterback beat us, uh, and he did often. So (laughs) I don't know that that's necessarily a recipe for success, but uh, but that to me is is kind of, you know, at least the, the first steps of the game plan, if you will.
0: Everybody healthy? I don't feel like I've heard anything on the downside there. Uh, well, in terms of what? Well, OL and just in general for FSU. I mean, oh, I mean anything well, any newsy I was, or meaty come out so far through three days of I was, practice? I was
4: throwing it back to you. No, the uh, the interesting thing to me uh, on that side is that uh, it sounds like for the first time this season, the very first time this season, it's hard to believe Florida State might have the the same starting five group of offensive linemen. They, uh, they have started seven different combinations in the first seven games, but it sounds like Number eight might be the time when, when you get some consistency up there, and uh, you know how it is through uh, through either injuries or some ineffectiveness early in the season. They they kind of had to try everything they could, but uh, but they seem like they have something they like. And look, I, mean, I think those guys have uh, I, don't know, I don't know they've gotten enough credit for the way that they've improved over the last few weeks uh, of, uh, of the season. Obviously, things still aren't perfect, but um, I mean, you know, when you compare where they are now to where they were against Virginia Tech or Syracuse or whoever, I mean, it really is night and day. I think Brady Scott's turned into a pretty nice player over uh, on the right side um you know Derek Kelly when he's healthy I think can be really good and, and so you know they're making strides and they're in for a big test this week uh but I think in terms of the offensive line you know, we'll see how it goes I mean they you know compton got however many first round picks on the defensive line uh but in terms of overall like you know where those guys need to be and in terms of confidence and continuity and all that uh, I don't know that they've been in a better place this season than they are right now
0: Tim, you have never been in a better place on Rapid Fire than what you. I'm usually been. not. I mean, you are. You continue to outpace the S and I mean, we're going to grade you again and see how you did. Let's fire up last week's Rapid Fire. I'm going to ask this question until it happens. Will there be a 100 yard rusher for FSU this week? No. Number of positions that Alec Eberly will play on Saturday over under one and a half under. Number of players, offensively for Florida State, who will throw a pass, and I'm going to set that at one and a half. Over, under. Under. Number of forward passes FSU will attempt on Saturday, and I'm going to set it at 30 and a half. Over, under. Over. Number of illegal forward passes FSU will attempt <laughs> on Saturday, and I'm going to set that at a
4: half. Under. Under.
0: Will Willie Taggart bring a red flag with him just in case he needs it, even though that's not the way the college game works? Yes or no? <laughs> Maybe he will. I hope so. Number of assistants that Wake Forest will fire in the wake of the game, and I'll set that at a half, over under? Under. Will Florida State go over or under 35 and a half points? Over. Will Florida State win? Yes. Mr. Jones, tally it up. What do we have? The grand total is seven and two. Very nice work, Tim. Now, and,
4: and hold on. I feel I don't know that I should get the uh, the red flag. I, uh, I knew you, you were going to say Tennessee. that, to
0: which I was going to counter with. Cam finished with 98 yards and was over 100 if Blackman doesn't get flagged for that penalty. So <laughs> yeah, a flag yeah, was yeah, involved
1: yeah. one way or the other. So,
0: I mean, we're, those things kind of wash out. I well, mean. I don't think so. All right. Take it up with your bookie. Um, I want this expunged from my overall record. Well, your overall record is very, very good. I mean, you're looking at a New Year's Day bowl game at this point, Tim. Tim, Tim,
1: your entire segment is going to be expunged
0: (laughs) (laughs) at at the same time that we expunge this show from the history of the world. Let's go ahead and play rapid fire for this week. Uh, And you're going to sense there's going to be familiar questions. I'm just going to keep beating this one, Tim. So here we go. Will there be a 100-yard rusher for Florida State? Nope. Will there be a 100-yard rusher for Clemson? Yes. Number of sacks by Clemson's defense, over-under, is
1: uh, 3.5. Oh, gosh.
4: Over.
0: Number of sacks by FSU's defense, same over-under at
4: 3.5. Under.
0: This is the 30-year anniversary of the punt ruski. Will there be a fake punt in this game? Yes, no. No. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a trick play, though. There we go again, putting a little asterisk in there.
4: No, that's not an asterisk. That's, that's just uh, additional, uh, additional insight.
0: Will there be a trick play? (laughs) (laughs) Number of FSU players who will throw a pass this week over-unders one and a half. I'll go over. Will there be a phantom illegal block below the waist call against (laughs) FSU, yes or no? No. No. You may be aware that the Clemson Tiger gets quite a workout these days because he does uh, the same number of push-ups as points Clemson has on the board every time that they score. So I'm not looking for the cumulative total, but what's the most push-ups that the uh, Clemson Tiger will perform at one time? And I'm setting that over under at 29.5, over or under.
1: Hold
0: on,
4: what now? Okay,
0: have you ever watched? All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go slower than, than okay. our offense does. All right. Clemson scores a touchdown. The Tiger's over there and does seven push-ups.
4: Okay.
0: Clemson gets to 14. The Tiger does 14 push-ups. They oh, okay, gotcha, you. Gotcha. I'm not looking for a cumulative total. I'm just asking at any one time, will he be over or under 29.5 push-ups? Over. Over. All right, so that streak of holding opponents to, to below 30 is ending this week for FSU. I yes. Yes, okay. And here's one. We have our, our uh, plethora of interns that will track this, and they update your results online immediately. So we won't know this until late April. Well, actually, it'll be over the summer by the time they all sign. But the contract value of Clemson's starting defensive line, uh, when they sign their NFL contracts next year, are we going over or under a combined $60 million?
4: Remind me how many guys we got? Four. Over
0: over i think that's probably the safe bet too i would yeah, right. I, I would unfortunately I really do because you're gonna have at least I mean, one of them is gonna be up at 28 or 30 somebody I in the middle say,
4: one, one guy can handle a big chunk of that right i would i would
0: say so so that's really what this comes down to i mean you can look at a lot of things but i think the the overarching theme tim this week is everybody says clemson's dl against fsu's ol i mean is that how you see it is that where this game is won or lost
4: well i mean kind of right um uh, look, I mean, I think it's it's twofold. I think it's it's their their D line against Florida State's O line, but I also, uh, you know, I look at Thompson's offense, man, and that, that group's really good. I know Florida State's defense has played well, uh, but man, when you, when you got a quarterback who can really throw and run a little bit, and you got a running back who's averaging eight and a half yards of carry, uh, and you got receivers who are six four, six five, I mean, they got a lot of weapons, uh, and so I don't think there's any doubt at all that this is going to be the the biggest test uh, for Florida State i mean by far i mean you know miami and, and being on the road is tough And miami had a great defense that might be comparable to clemson's but i don't think that we believe that they had the offense to match uh, i think we do think that clemson has the offense to match and so uh yeah man it's uh look it's it's a steep, it's steep hill i don't think it's insurmountable i mean you know it's the uh the first time that trevor lawrence will have been in in this type of environment you probably wish that maybe it were a night game to be a, a little bit more of a a factor there but uh you know, weird things happen in those types of situations, but just when you look at the the talent they have on both sides of the ball, I mean, you know, like we said, it's just, if they're not the second best program in college football uh, behind only Alabama, I don't know who is, and, and you know they have a roster that bears that out.
0: Nice reference to a steep hill which Clemson runs down every week, and probably <laughs> that's about what FSU has to try to run up oh. this week. Last question, I forgot this one, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye for this week, Tim. Clemson fans rush the field every week at home it's part of their tradition
4: glad you're asking me this
0: will fsu fans get to rush the field this week after a home game and they shouldn't well boy there's a non-answer for you i mean <laughs> no, it's, just, not,
4: it's not a non-answer no, feel, he's that's,
1: complimenting that's he's complimenting the dope campbell I, uh, security I, is what I he's feel, complimenting
4: uh, I, feel, I feel i mean i'll I'm say saying, I'm saying, no i feel uh, i feel very strongly about this look, look if you won three national championships and you have I think Florida State's all time record against Clemson is 20 and 11. You don't need to rush the field after beating
0: them. So we should just yawn on our way out of the stadium and get well, ready well, for NC well. State just, next that's,
4: week. It's not, not an either or situation. You can be happy. You can celebrate, but there's no need to rush the field.
0: Okay. So will Clemson's fans rush the field at Doak this week? No. Okay. All right. We'll let you go, Tim. I'll let you <laughs> yeah, wiggle yeah. In your next career, when you're done with this. Uh, it, you know venture lawyer lawyer i i
4: I... I, uh, I want you guys when when we hang up i want you guys to discuss the uh, the field rush situation and i'm gonna listen in to what you say
0: well i you have queued me up for one of the same things i go on the set we could queue up the tangent from last year about this and we'll we'll get to that in next segment tim don't worry all right guys that and much more straight ahead on front row knolls <laughs>
2: Rondro Knowles on 979 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith.
0: We have now reached the old man portion of the show where Keith and I are just gonna rant about things we don't like in college football. So to Tim's point, or sometimes about anything in general. Yeah, college basketball too. So to Tim's point, I am not a fan of Clemson fans being uh, rushing the field after every game. And let me clarify: it's not that they rush the field because they won. It's just Clemson policy. After every game, the fans are invited on the field. I will say they do a nice job of policing it, and I have I don't recall seeing any incidents but that said as somebody who's always on the field and you have teams and it's emotional it just doesn't seem to be a great idea because you do get fans that will be saying things in the ear holes of players who are trying to get in the locker room and get out of that that's my two cents on it, it cost- i feel more strongly about my next rant that's coming up well let me just
1: say it, it being at clemson cost me a a, a a suit one time a clothing suit pants and, and jacket because it was uh, bowden bowl number one and coach bowden was going for his 300th win And uh, Jeff DeMoss was helping with uh, producing and directing for Sun Sports. And nothing would make Jeff happier than if Florida State was going to win, that he should take me all the way from the booth, all the way down the field, and I would be the first one to interview Coach Bowden on the field after his 300th victory. Well, you heard Brad talk about he takes the stairs. Well, I had to take the stadium all the way down. There was no elevators available; they were holding them for the coaches. I get to the bottom, I'm winded. I get over an edge, I get hooked up, and that's I was hardwired. So I had that box on my pocket, on my pocket and my back pants. And I interviewed Coach Bowden, and all the Clemson fans are around us because we won Florida State won the ball game, but the Clemson fans were still there. And somebody grabbed that box, that cord on that box, and pulled it and ripped the pocket out of my pants, and I lost a suit of clothes on the field in Clemson. I'm still bitter. Tom, do you
0: have some tissue? I mean, as the guy who's the sideline guy and deals with this every week, I mean, I'm really empathetic to your plight. Did you have to stand in the rain, in the snow, in the cold, anything? all right i'm tossing it to you i will say this clemson has uh like the retractable goal post to assist with this so as soon as their fans come on the field boom they go right down and get out of the way so you can't hang on them and break them and that's the kind of thing you can find at uh, cornerstone tool and fastener if you've got a project ron i mean if you went to them and said i've got this goal post in my backyard ron and when they come when the yard crew comes to mow the lawn i need the thing to retract they would help take care of that and and they
1: would figure out a way to do it there's no question
0: we appreciate uh, their support of the program you can call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu they've been serving the big ben since 1995 that's cornerstone tool and fastener okay now here I'm, comes the now rant now i just i just got out of the cue, cage Q cue, cue the band keith what is the despite florida state's current record and the fact that fsu is not where they traditionally are ranked uh, or on the national scene what is the biggest annual game in the acc for football right now that would be clemson versus florida state and what is the biggest sport in the ACC, just in terms of perception and what people truly care about? Most would, would, would acknowledge that it is college, men's college basketball. So if you create a conflict between
1: basketball and football in the ACC, what happens? Uh, people go on a rant on a show known as Front Row Knowles. <laughs> you deflect
0: attention from the marquee football game. Am I correct? Yes, you are. So how many years in a row is this that the ACC has scheduled basketball media day the week of FSU Clemson football? What are we doing? Uh, Let me. What are we
1: doing? Let me take my shoes off. I need to use my toes. I realize
0: it has to do with the timing of basketball season, but the same office sets the football schedule. So if they're insistent on having basketball media day on October twenty something, you could schedule the FSU Clemson football game another week, or, or you could push media day back a week or up a week i'm just suggesting T t
1: lang would you get me another tissue please
0: i know this one doesn't bother you how many is that now i just here's why a bunch look even if you like basketball better than football have we established that the reason there's not an ACC network is because it's based on football viewership and not basketball? Because if it was based on basketball, we'd one. Florida State would be getting an extra $100 million a year right now because the network would be so big with everybody watching ACC basketball. That's not the reality. Football is king. This is their spotlight game. And instead, we have a bunch of ACC media that is going to take three days out this week to write stories about how Duke's going to be good in basketball again this year. And North Carolina probably cares about it, too. I I
1: thought we agreed in our pre-production meeting that in protests we were not going to bring this up.
0: We, the pre-production meeting.
1: <laughs> I sat down
0: 60 seconds before we recorded, and you sat down 20 seconds before we recorded. So, as usual, it was a brief pre-production. That is literally true. <laughs> I, I know, By the way, welcome back, Tom Lang. No, Thank you, sir. No, no, no host, you, sir. Matthew, the voice of the pipes of Tom Lang uh, in here. We brought him out of retirement for uh, this special edition. I know you don't feel as strongly about it. The, this is like when I used to rail about ACC football kickoff. I know we love playing golf. Tom's a golfer. Pinehurst is great. If you're trying
1: to grow the brand, you can't hold it there. you got to move it to Charlotte or somewhere media can get to. Same premise. Well, Tom, this just in, three years ago, two years ago, they moved ACC kickoff to Charlotte. So maybe, just maybe, we'll send a copy of this tape up to Commissioner Swalford, and maybe they'll take it under consideration, and they will not have the operations meeting or whatever they call the basketball meeting on the same week as the FSU Clemson game. And you can take authorship and ownership of that change as well. And I will gladly do so. I think the larger point,
0: Keith, is you could hold Basketball Media Day any of the 365 days of the year, and the ACC media would cover we'd it. come up. We'd, we'd you, up. You could, I mean, I'm kind of surprised they don't just do it as an ancillary event right after football kickoff to get more people there. Let's just have Coach K and Roy Williams in the next ballroom, right? My goodness. All right. So what do you think? What's going to happen on Saturday?
1: This is um, how we start the show. I, I, I'm going to couch my comment this way. If... And and Linda Felt by did the, way, the same thing.
0: By the way, in protest, that's why we didn't talk about ACC Media Day
1: today In Florida State's so We Understood. had Trent Forrest on Understood. last week. We'll get back to basketball. Understood. If, if Florida State can do the three things that I outlined, if they can score first, if they can keep the turn of the ball over, and if they get a big play some way, shape, form, or fashion in the special teams, they've got a chance. If they don't, then Clemson will dominate this game, and they will win by two or three scores. And while I don't like saying that, my heart hurts saying that, Clemson is that good. One other stat, I've been trying to figure out when to bring it out because I took copious notes during the aforementioned ACC cookoff up in Charlotte, not at Pinehurst. And one of the notes I pulled out of, of from there um, that was one of the most intriguing statistics, and in, as much as we may not like Clemson or some of our fan base may hate Clemson because of the rivalry and those types of things, there's one stat that, that Dabo has that he talks about that is absolutely amazing, and you can even bring it back to basketball because you could say the same thing for Leonard Hamilton. In the 10, now 10 years that Dabo has been at Clemson, they have had 196 seniors. Go through their program. One hundred and ninety-two of them have graduated. When we talk about a student-athlete, as much as we might not want to talk about it, at least from that standpoint, Clemson's doing it right. I would agree. And on the way out, I'll just point out that
0: when we're hosting Front Row Tigers, we can talk more about that. We'll be back with Front Row Knowles next week, though.
4: Now it's where you feel.